0: The Trek Geeks Podcast Network is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the home for amazing pin collectibles with over 300 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month.
1: Stay tuned for a special discount code worth 10% off your next order at fansets.com. Fansets, our pins have character. Wow. Just wow i'm not sure if anybody was prepared for the events of this episode so instead of talking about it here let's just get into it i'm mike bovia and this is discovering trek prodigy for joining us on discovering trek the star trek universe companion presented by fansets this week on prodigy we wrap up the first half of season one with a lot of questions as to where we go from here my co-host always has a lot of questions as to who she might be able to get as a new co-host and where she can go from there she is my progeny Emily and uh, how's it going on the front of trying to find someone new
0: going very well I called up so many numbers in my phone because I talked to so many people you know that I'm I'm so social you know I always you know (laughs) go out into the living room and talk to you guys for hours
1: well hey you could have you could have enlisted mom to do it with you (laughs) All right. Well, why don't you tell everyone where they can follow us and maybe they'll reach out to co-host with you.
0: You can follow the show on Twitter at Discovering Trek and you can find us on Twitter at Trek Legacy and on Instagram with the same handle. You can also find us in Camp Kittimer from time to time. If you'd like to join the conversation there, answer a couple simple questions and you'll be welcomed in by our admins, Haley, Jackie and Fark. You can subscribe to the podcast by downloading the Cherkeek's mobile app or by searching for us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts.
1: Thank you, Emily. As we always say, with this being a show that was intended for the younger audience, our goal has been to have as guests either members of that audience or if they're too young, their parents on to discuss what they think of the show and maybe even add in a little bit of what their kids had to say or thought of the show as well. So our guest today is a mother of two kids that are probably at the early end of the target age group for prodigy, but she also comes with some star Trek experience as the co-host of the first flight podcast on the tricorder transmissions network. We welcome Abby Summer to our show and Abby, uh, how are you today? I am good. Thank you so much for having me on. I listen
2: to you guys all the time and uh, I am honored to come and discuss this particular episode with you because it's a biggie.
1: Mm. And you don't have to mince words. You can say that the honor was really to spend some time with Emily and not me. I I understand. That's what I'm used to. Uh, Well, she (laughs) is
2: delightful. And I have to say, I love that you guys have somebody who is the target audience every single episode. That is awesome because it doesn't happen everywhere and it's a totally Mm. different perspective. And I am a teacher in my real life. So I understand that kids don't always get listened to. And I really enjoy getting to listen to Emily. So yes, Emily, it's all for you today.
1: (laughs) Well, thank you. We definitely appreciate the kind words. So uh, as a mother who is watching the show uh, with her kids, first off, What are your kids thinking of the show?
2: They absolutely love it. And that has been so wonderful for me. Like, I've been obsessed with Star Trek since I was little, like seven-ish, probably, when my dad first introduced me. So they kind of know, oh, this is the thing mommy likes. This is the thing mommy likes. But I told them, oh, there's a kid's Star Trek, and it's awesome. And they've watched a little here and there, but they weren't into it, and now they are. Like they mm-hmm. are talking about playing protostar and they of course are both are obsessed cool. with Murph because who isn't. Who
1: isn't? Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and, but they're like, okay, we're going to play star Trek and you have to be captain Janeway. Cause you know the most about star Trek. And I'm like, I will take that. That's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> but then they're like telling my husband, oh, you'll be Jankum. And he's like, yeah, I'd rather be someone else. But they have to be Doll and Gwyn, And then every once in a while, he can be Rock. And it's just been so neat. And we've been watching all the little lessons that Paramount puts out after mm-hmm. with Kate Mulgrew. And they're just enraptured and everything that Janeway says to them is just 100% truth. And that's it because it's Janeway and it's just been so neat. And they are so excited and asking when is Thursday. And (laughs) my older one, she's six and a half and my little one is three and a half. And they, uh, they were both watching with me. And then the one ended this week and my older one looks at me and goes, You're telling me I have to wait months, whole (laughs) calendars. Why do they do this? It's not fair. I have to know the rest. And I was just (laughs) laughing because thinking back to some summers in my youth when I felt exactly the same way. And it's, It's just been really joyous to share it with them and for them to to get the lessons and the understanding. And they are very young. So sometimes we pause and we say, okay, this is what it means when they're talking about this or this is what this is or this is why. But it's interesting because a lot of times the discussions will come a couple of days later and I can tell they've been thinking about things and marinating about things. Or like my older one got something tricky from school she couldn't finish. And this was right after we had watched um, Kobayashi And she's like, I'm going to keep trying. Dahl tried so many times to get it. And he kept blowing up. I'm going to do this. And I'm like, you got it. Yes. That's the lesson.
1: (laughs) That is awesome. It's been cool. That is really awesome. I I love, I love hearing the stories like that, Uh, you know, because it's different having someone Emily's age. And Mm -hmm. I think I want to say the youngest we've had on is nine so far. Um, and, and, you know, it's a different perspective, obviously from them. And then as you get more toward M's age, it obviously is a different perspective, but the youngest perspective, I think is so great. I mean, just the pure, the joy of, of the show, just because of the joy of the show. And then, oh, Hey, I I've learned something from this too is really cool.
2: Yeah, and it's neat because they're they're so enraptured and there's not a lot of things that will take both of them and get them both that excited. You kind of hit or miss, but this has really Pulled at the imaginations of both of them. And we have so many pictures of the characters up all around. They used a box to make a shuttle craft the other day. Like oh my it, goodness. Yeah, it's working. They have my old tricorder from when I was a kid and they're going around <laughs> scanning for life forms. So it's it's just really interesting to see what they're picking up on and what they're enjoying, but it's so positive and they're mm-hmm. so excited. And that's that's exactly what Star Trek should do
1: exactly exactly well before we get any deeper into the discussion this is our reminder that the episode uh, that this episode of discovering trek provides spoilers for the prodigy episode a moral star part two if you have not watched yet head over to paramount plus watch the episode and then head back to listen to discovering trek failure to do so leaves you open to spoilers Episode 10 of Star Trek Prodigy, A Moral Star, Part 2, aired February 3rd, 2022. once again, this episode was written by the entire writer's room and directed by Ben Iban.
0: The diviner comes to terms that he doesn't have the protocol and sets a course back to Tars to retrieve it. Meanwhile, Dal is rounding up the miners to the ship in order to save them, while Rock, Jankum, and Murph head to the engine room to get the ship going. Rock and Murph get systems back online while Dal and Zero are able to get everyone communicating, but Dreadnought shows up and takes over. That wasn't a good choice, as the Unwanted have gotten their voice and do away with him, allowing them to leave Tars Mora. The Diviner reveals the truth to Gwen in the holodeck, convincing her that she can't go to Starfleet, but not sure what to do when Dal comes in to help. Zero intercedes and reveals himself, causing the Diviner to go mad, while Gwen sees a reflection and loses her memory. After she recovers, the crew sets a course for Starfleet, where we see Admiral Janeway say that she's coming to find Chakotay.
1: So as we always do uh, to begin our episode, we want to find out what everyone's thoughts are. And we always uh, give preferential treatment to our guests. So, Abby, what were your thoughts, good or bad? on this episode and any special points that you liked about it.
2: Well, this really was a mid-season finale. I mean, wow. There was a lot that happened in less than 24 minutes. I mean, even less if you take out opening and closing credits. Right. There's so much story in here. So I have to say this was probably the episode that with my little littles, I paused the most because I had to pause and be like, okay, this is going on. Okay, this is going on. And I got a lot of, wait, what? Why? Why? And there was, it seemed like this one had more off screen things going on that you had to intuit than other ones did. But as soon as I explained it, they got it and they were like, oh, that's so smart. So, wow, there was a lot here. And I love how this followed two big Trek traditions. One, it gave you a bunch of answers. Which led to a whole bunch more questions, <laughs> right, which right. is the most classic Trek thing ever. You're like, oh, that's that's interesting. Okay, that's wrapped up. Oh, never mind. I have 40 <laughs> more things I need to know now. And it also did one of the Trek things where it really kind of fleshed out our, our villain here. It, mm. And even if you don't agree with what the diviner is doing and how he's doing it, you understand his motives a little bit more. He's not just an evil bad guy. He's not just out there to cause misery and pain and and terror in the galaxy. He has a reason and he firmly believes in his reason being the right one, which is both makes him sympathetic and scarier at the same time. And that is a very classic Trek move too. And we've had a lot of discussions with my little ones about this, about how this is Gwen's dad. And they, the concept of them for them of that, this is a daddy who would do this to his daughter. And he reaches out to her. He says, Gwendola her whole name in this. And they were just clutching because they're just, how this is her daddy. What do you do? He's asking you something. Jane was asking you something. So this was a wonderful moment of that, that gray area. And what a great way to introduce that to kids. And at the end, they don't know really who Chicote is. We've had a tiny mm-hmm. little bit of chat about, you know, oh, this was her old first officer and then he was a captain and we saw him in that. They didn't know it, but because I went, oh, ah, I freaked out. <laughs> they were freaking out. They're like, that's amazing. That's amazing. And then it was like, why is that amazing? But it it was set up well enough for them to know that something really cool happened there. And they're used to after credit scenes all the time now in movies and things. Right. So it wasn't shocking for them. Like it is for us. It's just, they're, they're like, Oh yeah, that's like kind of the preview for the next part. And I'm like,
1: mm-hmm.
2: well then there you go. But like I said before, they are not enchanted with this hiatus, but they understand. And, uh, i really enjoyed this episode i think every episode of prodigy just keeps going at a high level and it's incredible
1: yeah so out of curiosity because you brought up about how they they're realizing that uh, the diviner is that is her father so it's so it, you know i'm wondering in in their in their still developing minds like What is their reaction? Because I've counted now three times within these ten episodes that he essentially strikes her down or pushes her down to the ground. So what what has been their reaction to that? Because I know myself, like I'm taken aback each time, and it just it's helping to reinforce that he is a bad guy.
2: Yeah, and I think that's that's intentional. It seems to me because. It, it really is. Every single time there's audible gasps from my little ones. And like okay, this time good. when he sent out his his little arm things and he cuffed her with her own weapon. And then later he did. He wrapped up doll in the same kind of thing. They're just like, that's not fair. You can't do that. Or <laughs> one time like the reaction is just, hey, like just indignation. Like you, you just you can't do that. That's not how this works. So it's it's been interesting. And. They really don't let that thread go. Like some of the stuff with the time traveler, the technology, especially my littlest one, she's just kind of like, yeah, whatever. It doesn't mm. register for her yet. I mean, yesterday, today and tomorrow are still big concepts. Right, for her. right,
1: right. Yeah. But
2: for this one, I mean, family is important to little people. So to see this, but not everybody's family is perfect. Now, I'm hoping you don't have a diviner family out there. No, we don't. But, uh, <laughs> But it's nice for them to see that, you know what, you need to think about what grownups are asking you and not every grownup is out there to look out for you 100% of the time. And that's, that's a big lesson.
1: It is, it is. And we've talked about that a few times on here. So So one of the things or a couple of the things that I thought were uh, interesting about this episode, like things that I really enjoyed, um, we're continuing to see Rock's progress uh, from. Uh, time amok where she has learned so much you know she's holding the door there in engineering and she uh, it, it i thought of and this actually makes a lot of sense now that i think of it um it was like uh the Lego movie when they're looking out and they're seeing the pieces uh it made me think of that and that makes a lot of sense since uh dan and kevin had uh, a story credit on that so um, but yeah, she she's just she's coming she's coming of age almost uh, in her in her learning. So it's really cool that they're continuing that trend and not just letting it sit in the background. Um, also, so we have been, we have seen, uh, and I know you're you're uh, on Twitter seeing things all the time. There has been a call since episode one to make sure that that little cation has not been harmed and not only has she not been harmed uh she's not so little and innocent uh as she decapitates dreadnought um which i was at first i was like wow that's kind of dark and then i thought to myself no what's dark is what they is what he put all of them through and this yeah. is just, you know, they're essentially deactivating a robot. So big deal. Yeah, you uh, awesome. When,
0: when we when we watched it together, I just sat there and I was like, "Oh, that's pretty cool." She, she, she's powerful. And you literally made like an audible reaction of, "Oh my god!"
1: Right. What, what just like, happened? Wow.
0: Yeah,
2: that's. Um, well, there were some really dark moments in this one like not just with vacation, but with zero two. And I think
1: yeah.
2: it's, it's showing yeah. some of that empowerment of, of the children, of the youth that, you know, this can all happen and you can have things happen to you that you can't affect or change because of whatever reason. But that doesn't mean that you're powerless and it doesn't mean that you won't ever have a chance to fix things. Mm-hmm. And whether or not they fix them in the right way, they fix them in a very child reaction way. And that empowerment and that stepping up is a really important thing.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And I I will definitely be talking more about zero later because that was, uh, I was blown away by that scene, just how powerful it was, especially his voice, but I don't want to get, I don't want to get too much into that.
0: Okay. So one thing that you mentioned too is and i I wrote this down um i really liked the fact that you know jenkum trusted rock enough to let her work on the engine herself and you know he he literally stepped back and said okay i'll i'll hold the door you do whatever that is because she was saying things so complicated that he didn't even understand it which i think is pretty cool considering she's like four and he he (laughs) i think he's like an adult right
1: I, I'm not sure, like age wise, but uh, I don't know. He's he's he definitely seems like he's the older one of the group. Yeah. I agree. So,
0: um, a lot of things have been stolen from me. Um, I, I really enjoyed the design for the medical gown, though, that Gwen was wearing at the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of the new discovery uniforms for medical, like with all the white. It was so cool, though, because of the fact that, like, it wasn't just white. It had, like, an outline or, like, an inline of gray, and I liked that. Um, I also noticed that um, I don't remember exactly which scene it was because I wrote it down and I didn't write anything else about it. Uh, I just wrote down, Dow's first concern is Gwen, which I think mm. is it's it's really big for him in terms of character growth, considering the fact that before it seemed like he didn't really care about himself, and now he's he he's caring about his crew.
1: Mm. Yeah,
2: you know, Emily, I have to say that I've I watched this four times to prep to chat with you guys today, and every time I watch that line where doll is looking out at the protostar and he says we're coming Gwyn every time it means more to me like all the emotion that's behind it yeah it it just and the animation with his face but you can hear that that it's Mm -hmm. there's so much relationship behind that one sentence and every time I watch it it's more powerful to me so I completely agree with you're noticing that
1: yeah and, and I got I also have to go back to his treatment of her following her exposure to um um zero zero yeah you know he he's holding her there on the holodeck he picks her up and carries her to sickbay that sick was bay. sad no oh, yeah. i i know i know but that's so what I'm i am saying I-
0: I know like it made me sad. I don't get sad watching a lot of things but that made me sad.
1: But then he but then he's also helping her walk around too. Like he he realizes the toll that this has taken on her um and he's doing his best to not just comfort her but also assist her as well.
2: I think there's a lot that I hope they do in the back half of this season talking about the two of them exploring the lack of parents because mm-hmm. they've both lost parents. I mean, Gwen never had a mom. We're assuming from the process part that we saw there. Right. And now she's lost her father in a fairly dramatic way. And while he's not dead, he's definitely not there. He's not present. Right. And, uh, and we don't know anything about Dal's parents. Where are they? What are they doing? Are they still alive? And I think that's a really important thing for them to explore. They've touched on it very briefly here and there, but that could be a really interesting road for the two of them to walk down.
1: Yeah, yeah. And she, you know, he made the comment um, after Nandi had betrayed him. You know, uh, I, I don't know how to handle. I don't think he said mother, but like the strong figure in his life. And she said, "Once I figure it out." I'll let you know how you deal yes. with it. Yes.
0: Library computer data being received.
1: Since we are all Star Trek fans I th- and Star Trek fans going back, I'm sure we picked up a couple of callbacks here and there. So this is the time for us to discuss that. Uh, so Abby, I'm sure that you came up with some callbacks from this because uh, I know I almost, at the end, I almost jumped off the couch and I was like, oh, I know that. (laughs) So go ahead.
2: Well, yes, there are, there are plenty here and I'm not going to go through them all, but I'm going to just say there were lots of uniforms and com badges and L cars and all of that kind of legacy stuff that, that we could go into in great depth. And there have been, many essays and Twitter threads and blogs and all that. If you want to go into the exact history of where all of them are coming from, that's out there. And that's beautiful because the people who make this know their Trek history. And that is, that makes my little nerd heart sing. So I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, I also loved that when Gwyn came out of sickbay, bay, she's wearing the giant cortical yes. monitor, which is the biggest star Trek trope ever. You know, we just fried your brain, erased your memory, you know, exposed you to the vacuum of space, put this,
1: put big, this big thing, thing on, on your head yeah.
2: <laughs> for a while. It's going to blink. It's not going to cause you any trouble and it's going to be fine. So mm-hmm. I saw that. Um, I also really felt that this one called back to me as an enterprise love lover. It called back to Demons and Terra Prime, which was at the end of the fourth season of Enterprise, where you're talking about a group of people doing something really extreme because they think it's the right thing. And that has been something that you can see that in all different tracks in all different ways. But this one really jumped out with those parallels with me, especially since there's a child involved in those episodes in Enterprise as Mm -hmm. well but that's a wonderful Trek connection. And again, I love that they're putting that in a kid focused show because those, those issues and those challenges come up in life a lot. So Mm -hmm. thank you for putting that in starting now. And Oh man, that coffee mug shot at the end when you just see the mug and the hand comes out, and I—that's when my little heart started pitter-pattering, and I was like, "Ah, ah, ah!" It's Janeway, and we could go into the zillions of things in those little thirty-four seconds there, but I uh, will leave some of that for you guys. The only other thing <laughs> I wanted to put out there was—I I believe this is credited to trek core and i believe it was alex perry who did this last week but i haven't seen enough pointing out that a moral star the name of this episode is actually an anagram for tars lamora and i think that's so cool and so nerdy and so perfect that is yeah you rearrange the letters oh yes a moral star awesome isn't it and as soon as i saw that i was like Ooh, ooh, that is the biggest inside joke and I love it. So that's, that needs that's, to be so, put out. that's so
0: awful. So, like I I don't know like when I I first heard the name of the episode I was like what is that supposed to mean?
1: So shout out to Bill Smith because on we had him and Dan on for episode 1 and 2 when we were discussing Tars Lamora and stuff like that and during that episode Bill said, you know, I just want to point out that Tars Lamora, if you do an anagram of it, so he didn't say a moral oh. star. He said it's a moral star. So, like, oh. anti, anti-moral. Um, so, I reminded him when we saw the episode title, and he was like, it's probably the only prediction that I've ever gotten right, ever. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, that, that was, that was pretty cool. But I know last week I forgot to mention that, uh, when we covered part one. So I figured this week I should, I should point that out and say, Hey, Bill, you got one, right? So (laughs) bravo, Bill. yeah, you're batting like, you know, zero three, one.
2: (laughs) Well, you know, if we could predict it all, it wouldn't be very fun. Would it?
1: That's right. Uh, Oh yeah. Because I've (laughs) been, I've had predictions that I, I'm like stone cold thinking I'm right with. And then this week I was proven wrong. So
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love it when that happens because it's, it's even better when somebody else gets it right. And he doesn't because I can look at him and I can, I can give him a, not just guess what? You got it wrong. I can give it a guess what? Somebody else got it right.
2: (laughs) Well, maybe you're the one person who has actually figured out what Murph is, right? Cuz there's one person <laughs> out there that we've been right. told one theory right. out of the billions. So that that so, should count as double.
1: Right. So smarty pants, <laughs> if you're so smart then did you have any callbacks? And yeah. you can't and you can't cheat and use my notes. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's yeah, okay. No, wow. I, I
0: I No, I didn't. I I'm not gonna I'm I'm gonna be honest. I don't really pay attention for that anymore. I kind of pay more attention to the stuff that I can go in depth on instead of the stuff that I've seen like once or twice and then I forget mm-hmm. about.
1: Yeah, I hear you. The,
0: the only shows that I've really gone back and watched again and again are Enterprise, Discovery, um, Picard, and Lower Decks. Obviously, I've watched that a
1: lot. And The Office and Parks and Recreation and A Good Place and Brooklyn Nine-Nine.
0: <laughs> I've only watched Nine-Nine twice, but I can quote it. Yeah. Which says a lot about me.
1: Yep.
2: Well, but it also says a lot about you that you have gone back and rewatched the Trek that speaks to you because that's mm-hmm. what the adults are doing. I mean, even people who are completionists and who go back and do rewatches. I know I will find things that speak to me, and I've watched certain things way more than others. And you know, the fact that you are that sucked into the show to not be paying attention to something else when you have the "quote unquote" assignment to look for right. it speaks to how good the show is because it's sucking you in to that degree.
1: I I, w- I will give her a lot of credit though. In the beginning, like she was she was nailing some of the callbacks. Um,
2: yeah, I remember that from but, the earlier episodes.
1: But, but like the last. I will say the last few weeks, it's like you have to be a dyed-in-the-wool old-school Trek fan to pick up on some of the stuff. Um, so that being said, there, there was
0: sex was, uniform.
1: Well, yeah. Let me get to that. So, oh my
0: God.
1: I, I kind of <laughs> so can't believe I, I
0: missed that.
1: I don't think that it's been one hundred percent confirmed. I think I've read a few things here and there. But yeah, the uniforms that they were wearing, uh, Janeway and her crew were very reminiscent, we'll say, of the Lower Decks uniforms. Um, and of course, the the uh, badge that they had was from Endgame and The Visitor and All Good Things. You know, it's that, uh, hey, it, back in the day, they would just reuse the same props. Now they can just draw it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But uh, you talked about uh, going back and re-watching. So I did actually go back and re-watch a Voyager episode after I saw this. Uh, and it was Hope and Fear, the episode that the Dauntless was in. Because I said, uh, <laughs> when the episode ended, I jumped off the couch and said, that's the Dauntless. That's the ship with the quantum slipstream. And Em goes... I don't know what you're talking about.
2: He <laughs> did that too. And then I'm calculating, okay, if they could jump this far in the slipstream, how many jumps would it mm-hmm. take and where would they have to cross?
0: And yeah. So I hear you.
1: <laughs> and I know and he I... didn't
0: do that because he could never help me. with Like multiplication. No.
1: no, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. But I do know. I, I do know having rewatched that episode, the layout of that bridge that they put on here. Almost like a hundred percent exact to how it was in that episode. So really cool.
0: I don't even know what episode you're talking about. What's it from? Voyager. I've only seen that like once. I rewatch the episodes that I really like, and that's it. Like when there's when there's a a show that long, unless it's The Office where it's like twenty minutes, I don't watch all of them. I just watch the ones that I like.
1: No, I know. But that night when we watched it, I pulled it up and I showed you exactly what I was talking about.
0: <laughs> I'm not going to remember that. I don't even, you did. It was
1: like, it was like four days ago.
0: <laughs> I don't yes, remember
1: I
2: you showing me that. Well, now you okay. have a date for tonight, right? There you, you guys go. Have an hour. There you go. <laughs> and you got it planned.
1: Um, uh, The one other callback that I put down was, uh, and I think we've kind of talked about this a little bit, but in this episode, we actually saw it, the insanity that's caused from seeing a Medusin uh, going back to the TOS episode. Is there in truth? No beauty. Um, we see diviner gets the full brunt of it. Uh, well, Gwyn only gets the little glimpse and it kind of, you know, her being able to survive that and only just lose the partial memory. uh you know it's a little bit reminiscent of how spock was qu- very quickly exposed and he was able to come out of it with some assistance so a bit a of giant a cortical
2: stimulator right yeah That's right right assistant. right
0: <laughs> you know that that scene really scared me because i don't understand how shows can make it so that you know that nothing bad's going to happen to them because they're the main characters. But I literally forgot in those moments that she was a main character and that nothing bad could right. happen to her.
1: Yeah. And you like, were afraid that she was going to die. I yeah. don't know that they're going to do that to kids.
0: Probably <laughs> well, not. What I, kind
1: of, I kind of feel like that would be crossing the line.
2: <laughs> What's funny is that. Both of my girls, sometimes Prodigy runs right up against the edge of their scariness factor, mm-hmm. especially with like Dreadnought, like he, he yeah. can be real scary. And this scene with Zero was the same way. And I like how they didn't really show anything graphic. Even when the Cation took Dreadnought's head up, like nothing is graphic, but you completely get it. And the you know animation, what's happening. Yep. Yeah. The animation in their eyes. And it was so interesting because you see it happens the Diviner and then you see it with Gwyn, but it's just a little different. And my six year old grabbed my arm and she goes, that's Gwyn. But is she going to be OK? You promised me that in this Star Trek, <laughs> everybody is OK. You can't. They can't do this. And then that's been her biggest objection since then is, you know, I have to know that Gwyn is going to be okay. How can she not tell them that they're going to destroy Starfleet going back? Mm-hmm. She was trying to remember. She said it so many times. That's her honest gut reaction. Is, yep. is Gwyn going to be okay? And I have to keep telling her Gwyn will be okay. Starfleet will be okay. The Federation will be okay. It's, this is just the scary part before, mm-hmm. you know, the happy and, yeah. But it yeah, it was massively affecting and really intense this time. My little one turned her head away for a second, which I, I get, and that's our strategy. You don't want to see it, turn away. There's still seven seconds of Picard and Stardust City <laughs> Rag that I turn away from. So
1: Oh, yep. I, right at the beginning. I know oh, what you're talking about. Yep. Yeah.
0: Wait, what?
1: We'll talk With later. Yichab. Yeah.
0: It's okay. What? she probably no, doesn't remember. No, I do that. I didn't look away, but it made me sad.
1: Yeah um
0: i I like the characters nobody likes
1: i will i will say um and and, you know not to not to say it's good that your kids were scared (laughs) but (laughs) right the fact that they were that they are that invested in it i think says a lot about what this crew creating this show is doing um so great i mean i can't I haven't heard positive hype around a Star Trek like this
0: in a really, really since right really since time. Next
1: Generation <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and you know Voyager in the beginning probably.
0: Well, how are you going to be negative about it? It's a kids' show. What's the worst that you can say?
1: No, uh, you would be surprised with some people.
0: <laughs> there are people whose lives it is to just destroy
2: anything that brings other people joy. Yes. And why they watch Star Trek is beyond me, but
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. Please specify how you would like to proceed, sir.
1: So, Star Trek has always tried to teach the audience something about itself. Now, Prodigy is bringing that to the next generation. And as we've already discussed on this episode, They're doing a fantastic job with it as well. So uh, right now in our Starfleet Academy portion, we're going to talk about what, in our opinion, this episode was trying to teach the younger audience or even in some of our cases, us as older folks as well. So uh, once again, Abby, you are the guest. You get to go first. So if you want to steal, steal away.
2: (laughs) All right. So this one, it took me a little bit to synthesize how I wanted to say this because I feel like there was so much going on, as we've said again, there's lots of little lessons and a lot of the the lessons we've done previously have kind of come to fruition in this one. But I think what I really am taking from this one and what I think my girls are too is that the lesson here is speaking up when you know you can help and being willing to accept help graciously when you need it. And you see that a couple times throughout here. Like Rock knows we've talked about this that she could help more with that engine. So she stepped up and she said it to Jankum in a way that he would accept being a Tellarite. It was a little bit confrontational, but she she stepped up. She knew what to do. She thought about it. She said, and then Jankum, bless him, because this isn't how his the reaction is all the time, especially to someone as young as Rock. He stepped back and he said, "Yeah, okay." I do need help. This isn't what I know how to do. You do go do it. And that's, that's really a good lesson on both ends and, you know, have Dal step up like we talked about and saying, Mm -hmm. I'm going to save Gwen and I'm going to go first and I'm going to put myself in danger for her. And then saying, but I don't have to do it alone. Zero coming in there. What, really interesting ways to play up that helping the people you can accepting the help and the miners with dreadnought mm. you know they they were stepping up to help they might not have gotten out of that situation if they hadn't done that and for them to come together they hadn't even been able to talk to each other up right. until minutes before this but to come together and to help out like that was really neat to see and it even calls back to the last episode to part one where dal was saying you know what if we're going to do this this can't be one of my half-baked plans we need to do this together we need to accept the help from each other and really do this and that's kind of where i think this whole first half of the season has been pinnacling to that we -hmm. are working together we're accepting the help we're giving the help we're doing everything we can and we're good with it and that's hard to do
1: Mm -hmm. i want to just comment on something that you said there because When Rock made the comment to Jankum, uh, um, you know, I didn't know you could fix it by just staring at it. Yeah. When she said that until you just brought up that she was using the Tellerite way of confrontation. I didn't think of that. I just thought, oh, hey, they're, they're making, they're making rock sarcastic now. That's pretty neat. Didn't even cross my mind. So that's pretty awesome. I'm glad you brought that out because, yeah, that fits in so well.
0: I didn't either. The first thing that I thought was, oh, my gosh, they're making rock into me.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I like it because she even later on at the end, then when she looks at him and she goes, hmm nice to know you can do more than percussive maintenance like yeah. it's just that back and forth <laughs> and i think the two of them have a neat relationship and i hope that that mm-hmm. keeps building because that was really nice to see both of them stepping into those roles
1: yeah yeah i like that as well okay m what did you glean from this episode as far as a lesson
0: um so I never know how to introduce this myself because, you know, I never come up with them. You do because I'm terrible at picking up on things, but
1: uh, you, so, know, you what? know, I can't,
0: I can't uh, just start let me, off with,
1: let me, pr- let me just- preface your thought with this. It may be true that you don't come up with the concept, but on on our shared notes, I literally put like three or four words and you Five. come up with everything else.
0: Well, you no, that's not my problem. My problem is I can't just start out with. So what I got from this because I didn't get it.
1: You did after. Okay, some what thought. I
0: what I took from this <laughs> sentence. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Uh, no. Yeah. Okay. What 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 I took from the 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 Note. the lesson that was handed to me by my loving father. Um, was um, using diplomacy instead of violence. You know, the Diviner wants to just go right in there and destroy Starfleet, you know. He doesn't want to talk, even though Gwen is telling him to. He, He wants to watch them destroy each other from the inside and, you know, eat away at their defenses and crumble. And, you know, it would be a lot easier because you know i understand where he's coming from from the point of view that in his mind starfleet is the enemy because you know basically an entire planet got destroyed you know except for him it was basic genocide and you know Mm. i i do
1: that might not be the right word but i I see where you're going
0: i don't know well you know but like His planet was destroyed, and in his mind, the only thing that it could have been was Starfleet because you know that that's just all that he saw. He might not know why or how, but that's what he that might be have been what he was told or what he saw. And you know, his way of getting back at them is to do the same thing that they did to him, but that's not always what you want to do because he doesn't know if it was an accident or if it wasn't their fault or if they had to. Because they went after Starfleet and they were just defending themselves. And mm-hmm. you know, it would be a lot easier if he just went in and talked to them and said, you know, down the line in a couple dozen years, you're gonna do this to me and my planet, and I don't like that. So if you could try and not, mm-hmm. that would make me happy. And you know, in in that aspect. If you do that, I won't blow up all of your ships. How does that sound?
1: So how about how about some real world application of that then?
0: Right. Well, it's it's like, you know, just because somebody does something to you, that doesn't mean that you have to do the same thing to them. It doesn't even mean that you have to get back at them, right? Like you could and you could think that somebody did something, but it was it might not be them. And it might have been an accident or it might not have been their fault. And that's just what you saw or what you were told. And that that it might not have been their fault. You might be misinformed. And, you know, you have to take into the fact you have to take, put it in your head that it might be your fault. It's not necessarily yours, but, you know, that might be it. And you have to accept the fact that not everything can have this satisfying ending of you know mm-hmm. revenge. What's the word?
1: Or getting your own way.
0: Revenge.
1: Yeah. I can't
0: hear so, you one second. S-
1: so let, let me, let me say this, that monologue from M came from these five words, use diplomacy instead of violence. And that was it. So she can say all she wants that, uh, She doesn't figure out the lesson, but once she's led in the right direction, she gets it.
2: I think you have been insightful for every time I've heard you, Emily, this episode and before. So
1: So I'm actually going to talk a little bit about something that uh, you talked about a little, Abby, uh, before. And that is how uh, the diviner looks at this as something that needs to be done to save his race. But he actually said a couple of things that are like red flag, especially in our day and age. Um, you know, he said the first thing that shot on my radar right away, he said, the Vanica are confident in their supremacy. And then uh, when talking about the two sides to the Civil War, he said there were those aligning with the Federation. And then there were those who would die to preserve our way of life. Um, So, you know, that screams to me that uh, not only was he xenophobic, but he's a racist. Yeah. (laughs) You know, Um, and I like how there was a use of words there for the adults to get what the point was. But yet it was a simple enough point where even the kids could get the thought of why isn't he even giving people a chance without meeting them? Um, and boy, is that something that's lacking today? <laughs> can,
0: can I, can I say one thing? Sure. So I, I do understand where he's coming from with this supremacy. Like, I don't think that I would use Supreme because, you know, I don't think that that's fair. But he did say that as far as they were aware, they were the only other life in the galaxy. So I do under- right. I, I mm-hmm. do understand it from that perspective. But if I thought that I was the only human on Earth, I don't think I would feel supreme. I think that I would feel really sad and lonely.
1: I, I uh, And I appreciate you saying that, M, because that's a good point that I hadn't even taken into account. They did think they were the only ones. Yeah, so, I mean- you know, that could be where the confidence comes from.
0: I mean, I, I, I'm not saying that that way of thinking is right, but it's, it's the kind of thing where they don't seem like they know any better to think otherwise. Well, I think it's really
2: interesting because Star Trek always points out things that are happening now, but they put it in the future so people can, you know, interpret it how they want. This was Mm. speaking on that. Here's for the adults and here's for the kids and the best shows out there do that. And it's speaking to what we see going on here now and what
1: Mm -hmm. we
2: we see and feel in society and in our world but I think that you also have to look at the fact that the the diviner is reacting to a huge traumatic event Mm -hmm. and he is does think that he and Gwyn are going to be the only ones left. And that kind of lonely desperation does things to people. And again, too, when the Federation came, he was an adult already, it sounds like. And Mm -hmm. I think sometimes that, well, guess what? We're not alone in the universe. Sometimes it's easier for the younger kids to absorb and take in and digest than it is for the older people who've had a much longer time for their way of life to be. So I right. think that's a very interesting parallel. And I think it's interesting to see how Gwyn's initial reaction is so different than the diviners. And that's that's very purposeful. But that is so much what's going on these days, too, yeah. that what an I wonder in five years when we look back at this, if we will have seen that grow even more in its relevancy, or if maybe it's a push for us to take a different path.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I I definitely like the contrast that you just talked about. He's like, he's like the uh, old man, get off my lawn guy, (laughs) you know, and she, and she's like, Hey, you know what? Let's, let's talk it out. Let's figure it out. You know, she's got uh, young minds, fresh ideas, be tolerant. Uh, you know, she's she's doing she's trying to work for the better good or the greater good, rather. Uh kind of like how Janeway is teaching her, uh, which is which is really neat. But yeah, just it was it's it was kind of scary when I rewatched it and I heard that sentence that they're confident in their supremacy. I was like, oh man, that is tough to hear. But when M brought up that point, it, it made me think more about it. So we would like to take a moment to talk about fansets, the presenting sponsor of the Trek geeks podcast network.
0: Long before we were doing a podcast sponsored by them, we were Fanset's customers, the quality of the merchandise they put out is second to none. It's not just Star Trek that they offer, as they have something for all different types of fandoms, including Scooby-Doo, DC Comics, Batman 66, Harry Potter, and Rick and Morty.
1: So the end of the first half of season one of Prodigy means that uh, some of us will be upset, but it also means that Discovery is right around the corner. To celebrate, Fansets has two new additions to the Discovery Micro Crew Collection. Osira from season three and captain Michael Burnham in her red season four uniform. Keep an eye on fansets.com for those and over 300 officially licensed star Trek pins, including the Delta's done right collection, the micro crew pins, as we just discussed episode pins, and you never know what other great design is going to pop up. So go to fansets.com. And as we always say, put a whole bunch of pins in your cart
0: listener to the show, you can receive 10% off your next order from Fansets by using the code Trek at checkout. And remember that you receive free shipping in the U.S. on under $30 or more.
1: Fansets, our pins have character. And we thank Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. So as we just talked about in our ad discovery, well, that's where we got a glimpse of Christopher Pike as, uh, this person worthy of carrying the medal of honor award name. So in this section, we're going to talk about those worthy of awards from this episode. So Emily, who are you awarding for this week's episode?
0: Okay. So first, um, I want to give an award to an actor, which I don't think I've ever done on the show yet, as as far as I can remember. But you know, don't don't listen to my memory because it's very bad. Um, but I want to give an award to Ella Purnell. Purnell, Purnell, Purnell. Um, as Gwen. You know, Gwen is I've mentioned many times, Gwen is my favorite character. And I think that this episode was Like, a really good, like, I love this episode, and I think that Gwen is really big in this, because, you know, it's all about her and her father, and trying to, her trying to get him to actually listen to her, which I think, I think the voice acting was really good on her part, it always is, you know, she's she's a professional, so I would expect nothing less, (laughs) but... Yeah. And my second award goes to some um another artist. You know, I mentioned last episode, oh. I want to give I want to give an award to an artist every episode. And so this next award goes to Matt Matthew Carbonella. I think I'm pronouncing that last name right. Um he's a storyboard artist and I looked him up and he does really great work. He has... A lot of cool sketches and unfortunately I couldn't look through that many because I don't actually have an account. I was just going off of Google but the ones that I did see were actually really cool. So you can follow him. Um, all lowercase is Matt Carbonella. There's two, w- two L's in that last name and that's his Instagram and then he also has a YouTube channel which he hasn't posted on in quite a few years, but I looked at some of his videos and they're pretty cool. Um, You know, they're, they're pretty short, but they're cool. So you can find him on that as Matthew Carbonella, you know, his name again. So that's, yeah.
1: Emily is upping her shout out game as we go.
0: Yeah.
1: So any, any other awards or was it just two this week? Just the two. Okay. All right, Abby, how about you for uh, this episode?
2: All right. So I've got a quick one and then two little bit longer ones. My first one is, our two minor characters, the minors, which I think it is funny that Ooh. the minors are minor characters, but that's just me liking the bad <laughs> puns, but our two minors, and I'm hoping I'm going to say this first one right, because George and Trotto, who can finally talk to each other once Dal comes up with his shortwave communicator. And I love that little moment and poor Del, who's like, oh my goodness, this is a beautiful moment, but you have got to move. Yeah. <laughs> now, that's gorgeous. But what's even better, and I didn't notice until like a couple times through, is later on when all of our main characters are in the front and then some of the minors that can now talk to each other are walking past. And there's the guy with two heads who's talking about, I just put my head down. And we go, Okay, but those two are in the background and they hold hands. And oh, I didn't just, notice that. Yes, and it warmed my heart because it's not the two of them talking, but even in the background, they just kind of reach over and hold hands. And mm. that is just such a little background detail, but it's so nice. And I love that Star Trek is again showing the inclusive of families. We don't know, you know, if they're they both sounded like they might be male, but they might not be. And as my daughters are now correcting me, we don't know if Murph is a he or a she, and we don't know, you know, zero is a they. Awesome little ways to throw that in there. Just wanted to put that out there. That was seemed like nothing. And probably the sum total of their screen time is less than 30 seconds, Mm -hmm. but it was just a really nice little moment in the episode. And then I would also like to shout out whoever does the captioning on this, which sounds really silly, but I always, when I'm going to be talking about an episode and I'll be honest, when I'm rewatching afterwards, I put the captions on because mm-hmm. sometimes you catch stuff. And there were multiple times in this episode where you get in the little parentheses, dramatic music, epic music. And Oh my goodness. Yes, I know. Cause the music in this series is just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I know you guys have done that interview and Oh, it deserves every award because it's absolutely beautiful. And thank you. Captioner for putting that in there, because if you're reading the captions for this, you should know just how good this music is, Mm -hmm. because it truly is.
0: I wish that I could have captions on more often, but my problem is I can't actually watch the show. My brain thinks that if there's words, I have to look at the words and I can't watch the (laughs) screen. But I used to watch the captions a lot, and I still do when I'm watching with them because they're deaf and old, so they can't hear. Um,
1: Bite your tongue talking about your mother (laughs) like that.
0: Okay. Yeah. You're deaf and old. She's young (laughs) and beautiful. And I love her so much, Um, but I love it when I used to, or still do watch the captions, especially with like Marvel movies, it'll be like epic music, dramatic music. Yeah. And it
1: just,
0: it's supposed to be an intense moment, but it just makes me laugh. Can
1: I, can I just say bouncing off of that thought? Um. oh the music yeah the so this week i've gone off the deep end a little bit and i've been listening to uh the star trek scores all week me too (laughs) Uh,
2: me too like that's i don't know what it was about this week but yes
1: (laughs) the the opening credits for prodigy When you listen to the extended version.
0: So beautiful.
1: Oh my goodness. Like the theme that we actually see is awesome.
0: You can't see music. The
1: the extended, the extended version. Yeah. Like I could, I could listen to that on a repeating loop over and over again. So great.
0: One thing that I noticed is that when I don't know, when when the, the 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 ship when the ship is lifting up, it plays the, the the music. Except it's like the extended version or an altered version, and it's so mm-hmm. cool because you can tell that it's the theme because it has the dun 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 dun. But, <laughs> but then it has. <laughs> I'm sorry. But, but then I it wish has, we had was,
1: captions for that. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> But then it has this extra, like, little trail at the end, and it's so cool and it's awesome. And also, the music for just this entire episode was beautiful. Mm. Yes, yeah. it,
2: I mean it stands out as it, it's part of the the entire ambiance. It's almost its own character in this, especially
0: one. Yes. when they're on um, Solar. I think it's called Solar. It, yeah. it has this like sad music when he's talking about the destruction, and it's so beautiful
2: and it makes you feel things. I agree that the theme to, to Prodigy is Goosebump inducing every single time And you know they might have added the
0: little Skip intro button on Paramount Plus Now you're not hitting it for this show Like never <laughs> never. Nope. I, I I saw it this morning Or when I was doing my notes And I was like what psychopath click that Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> my wow. girls like to go through the theme and say all the characters as they show up in there. So there's, yeah. Why would you skip this theme? <laughs> the humanity. Yeah. Cool. But, but I had one more then too. If we want to finish up my my three Pike medals here, and it's the the fight between Janeway and the Diviner, and about how she got those upgrades and now she's solid. So that in itself is awesome. And I hope she went and hugged rock talk right after all this.
1: (laughs) I think everybody was thinking that,
2: (laughs) (laughs) but she fought like a hologram could fight popping Mm -hmm. in and out and being here, being there using her, her solidity and her non-solidity. And it was awesome. And yes, pull that tube out because that was the best move of the episode. And interesting to me that he obviously didn't need a hundred percent of his fluid to be functional because mm-hmm. he plugged it back in later and it was less bubbly, but he was still functioning. But yes, that is, it's like when you pull the tube on a gem Hadar, absolutely. Yeah. 100%. That's the move you should have made. So I'm glad you did.
0: That's one other thing I wanted to mention. I don't know if his blood is also blue, but the thing that I noticed is that when he sees Zero afterwards, when he's on the ground, his face is like flushed, what I'd assume. And it's like blue. And I just noticed that. So That is interesting. I don't know.
1: Well, and the other thing that I noticed is at the end of the episode, when he's back on Tars L'Amour, he doesn't have his no, shirt in the veins anymore.
0: I did notice so. that. Yeah. I don't think I processed or registered the fact that he 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 probably normally would have been dying without that, but mm-hmm. I did notice that.
2: Well, and it's interesting because my girls from the very beginning have always said, Well, why is he in the water? Why does he need a suit? And I said, Well, you know, he's he's obviously sick or he needs mm-hmm. it to be in the environment or something. So when that tube got pulled, they both audibly gasped and they were like, <gasps> And then my older one did ask me at the end, well, where's his suit? When he was scribbling on the floor. And I said, I don't know. I said, I, I think we'll have to find out later on. They they can't tell you all the information here. And her answer, of course, was why not? I but, have to
1: wait. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You
0: want to know who him in Dreadnought are? I've always said that Dreadnought is like. Um, oh, my gosh. What's his name? General Grievous from Star Wars. But yeah. you know who he is? He's Darth Vader. It's Darth Vader and General Grievous,
1: mm. literally. So my three, uh, I will start with uh, the one that M had picked out as well, and that's Ella Purnell. Um, and I, you know, M talked about um, her voice and the work that she's done in this. Um, I thought once she caught the glimpse of Zero. And how she just kept repeating, we can't go, we can't go. And she changed her inflection in different yes. ways. That's yeah. Go ahead. That's,
0: that's what I'm sorry, but that's what I meant to mention. And I com- it completely mm-hmm. slipped my mind, but it's so in- interesting. Powerful. powerful. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, Cause my first thought was, oh no, she's like, she's gone crazy. Like him but you hear the different inflections. It's not just repeating. She's it's like, she's saying it to remember the best she can. And she's saying it in different ways so that the point gets across, but no one was really understanding what she was talking about. Unfortunately.
0: Also at the end, I feel like there was this tiny bit of her that remembered Like, I have to say she couldn't
1: place it. Yeah. Yeah. Like,
0: like he was like, we're going to Starfleet. And then she gasped and he looked back at at her and, and he was like, is everything okay? And I feel like at that moment, she realized that something was wrong with that fact, but she couldn't remember what. So she just said, yeah, because Mm -hmm. she didn't want to say, no, we can't go without knowing why.
1: Mm -hmm. It's
0: like remembering a dream. You know that there's feeling behind it, but you
2: can't remember anything specific.
1: Yep. Yep. So secondly, um, I have not brought him up and I'm not sure that anyone else has um, throughout this whole first half. And that's Angus Emery as zero. Oh, my goodness. You want to talk about voice inflection when he is yelling at the diviner. Uh, about the things that he made him do you could feel the hurt and emotion in his voice and you really understood why he would do what he did to him Um, to the point where I don't think there's anyone who would look at that and say that was just mean and cruel no that was that was pretty deserving for the things that he made him do Uh, but yeah I mean I've, I've liked the zero character throughout um, this whole uh, first half of the season, but this just stood out to me um, just on another level.
0: That's the part that I was talking about that made me sad. I was, I was Mm -hmm. like, I was like, this is just like, like, I, 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 I don't think, I think that when I watched the first episode, I didn't register the fact that he was used as a weapon. Like, and now, and like all of a sudden, it just clicked, and I was like, Oh, well, mm. oh, that's really sad and dark. Yeah, for, for a kid's mm-hmm. show, it's, it's really dark. Well, and I think that you know, sometimes we forget
2: because Zero is mechanical, he's young too, you know, right. and and he's still whether or not he's an older teenager or whatever the equivalent is for a Medusa, he's very young, and somebody. Mm-hmm forced him to do something he didn't want to do. And he has not had enough life experience to process it the way an adult would. And even if an adult had to process that, they'd probably have the same reaction. I mean, Mm -hmm. that is so emotional and such a violation. And to have zero control over yourself like that, that was his empowering moment. He needed that confrontation Mm -hmm. to be able to move on and keep going with whatever comes next.
0: Yeah. I know, I know what you're saying is is really important, but you said you think you said zero control, when it made me laugh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> uh, and finally, my last one, um, and Emily should uh, should be happy with this one. So, uh, Benny Bon is the director of this in the last episode, and he directed the first two episodes. And when we talked to uh, the Hageman brothers, uh, they said that he really is like the director of all things art in this series. Uh, That's how he, that's why he is a co-executive producer. Uh, He is, he is their go-to, you know, he might not be the one who is actually putting pen to paper or stylus to tablet or however it is that they do this. uh,
0: I think that they use computers.
1: Yeah, well, that's that's why I'm... Or iPads. Uh, No, they might, because uh, I believe that's...
0: I guess the only reason that you would use iPad is if you were, like, on your way to somewhere because a lot of professional digital artists use those like the... The, I guess they're big big tablets. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, they're tablet computer things for just art. Right. But you know,
1: but yeah, he is essentially like the, I guess you could say like an art director almost where he is kind of giving uh, input on everything and approvals on everything and they trust him implicitly. And man, I mean, The stories have been awesome this whole first half of the season, but the animation and art within this first season, I think have blown people away far beyond what they ever thought we would get from this series so far. So hats off to Ben. Awesome job. All right. Well, we have reached that portion of the show where it's time to engage the protostar drive. So what is it that we think could be happening in the future? And now we have a long time to sit and wait about it. Think about it rather. (laughs) Yeah. We have a long time to sit and wait too. So Emily is raising her hand and that's probably because she hates losing what her uh, prediction is. So does that mean you I, wanted to go first?
0: Um, I would love to go first. Okay. So my prediction, and I said this when we were watching and then I said, I wasn't going to use it, but I've decided that I will. Cause I couldn't think of anything else. Um, my prediction that I'm not very believing in, but my prediction is that, you know, since Gwen forgot, what the problem with going to Starfleet is, is that Janeway is, you know, I completely forgot about the last part of the episode. So that either Janeway is going to come and find them and then something is going to go like terribly wrong because the diviner said that it would like, you know, mess with their systems and hack in and stuff and like turn them against each other. But if there's no other ships there, I don't really know what it's going to do. So, I think it'll really just mess with their systems. And then, you know, they get right there. And then Janeway's going to ask the crew to come on. And then Dal's going to answer. And she's going to be really confused. Or they're going to make it to Starfleet. um, And then Janeway's going to, you know, follow them there. And, you know, Starfleet starts attacking each other or doing whatever. And then Janeway gets there, and since, or wait, that doesn't make any sense. I was gonna say since she wasn't there when it first happened, but no, I don't know. I
1: lost track of what you were thinking.
0: I did, yeah. So um, you know almost interesting is that i kind
2: of was thinking along that same line and got stuck at the same point too i'm like okay so she's on the dauntless like actual admiral janeway is on Mm -hmm. the dauntless they've Mm -hmm. got the slipstream they can take like those little jumps to get there so i think that one way or another maybe that is going to be how they get out of not destroying starfleet that you know they just get to the dauntless and then something goes wacky there and they realize it and they can't get it out of the proto star and blah, blah blah because if they did just jump back to the Federation and the protostar. Then what happens to the show? Like, I mean, right. they're not gonna let the kids keep flying the protostar around. So <laughs> that they're probably all gonna get, you know, broken up. They're gonna get put into foster care or they're gonna go to yeah. the academy or whatever. <laughs> and so that that there goes your show. So I'm pretty sure they're not going back to the Federation to destroy it or to, or they get there and then the diviners program pops up and it's supposed to do something and it does nothing. Kind of like, you know, the best of both worlds, cliffhanger. We're gonna yeah. fire all we got, and it did
0: nothing it's yep. <laughs> so kind of another thing this isn't really a prediction but what i hope is that if they make it to starfleet and it does nothing my hope and dream is that they all go to the academy together and they don't break up and it's about them and the academy and that's how they teach us lessons from now on you know through the form of learning about starfleet And, you know, this is just my hope of seeing all of them in uniform um, forever, (laughs) but... Well, there is that
2: Starfleet Academy show that they said is is in the pipeline, so maybe yep. when the 40 episodes we know for sure of Prodigy are done, maybe they will transition these characters, and maybe the Starfleet Academy show is going to be animated, and maybe that's where this
0: is going, and maybe we're completely wrong on this. Right. <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still waiting for Section 31 show to come out. Me too. <laughs> and I've heard that it's not going to happen for a while. And that's made me disappointed because I've already been waiting for a couple of years.
1: Well, they just said that it's probably coming soon. Well, at least beginning. How about that? So, did that cover your your whole thought, Abby?
2: Um, that I don't was want me, to cut you first, off. Yeah, yeah. I have okay. two other minor little theories. Okay. Are you done, Emily? I don't want to step on your awesome toes.
0: Yeah, no, I, 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 oh, dang it, it's happening again. Um, yeah, my head is, um, my brain is not in my head anymore, so yeah.
2: <laughs> no, you're good.
0: But I think that's one of the fun parts about having a
2: larger break kind of like this is because you do get to sit there and theorize and hear other people's wacky things and, you know, put things together, and that's part of what I like about Star Trek is, is having those theories and getting enriched by the more people you talk to and the more you hear. And then you're probably not right anyway. And that's one of the reasons that I enjoy the show is because as someone who's consumed a lot of sci-fi in the past, when something can happen that I don't see coming, I really appreciate it because that means that even more people have thought of things than me obsessively sitting here for the next six months or whatever. So that's part of the fun. So I have two other kind of, generally, theories, and I don't know where I want to go with them again because of how they left things, but one, I'm wondering, we've seen Dreadnought come through a vehicle replicator and it's given me kind of vibes of of the Vorta. And you know, how many of them are there out there? Is he still lurking in their vehicle replicator system? I would have purged that right right away, but you know, who knows how many of him are there out there? Like, is his head still enough to, if you plug it in somewhere, is he going to virus something? Is he going to show up somewhere? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of possibilities there. And I don't think that we are necessarily done with the diviner either. I, I think yeah, I think that Gwyn can't be done with him yet. And I I'm I'm thinking about connecting to how when we were wondering about the DMA and Discovery, and um Tarina mind-melded with book to try to see if there were tachyons there. Can Gwyn do something similar? With the diviner, when they get, you know, the little blue head glowy thing going back and forth, can she go in and say, you know, he obviously knows a lot more. There's this plan. I mean, he didn't just talk about it with her this episode. So if she only lost her short-term memory, she still knows he's got some big plan and trained her for a reason. Maybe she'll go back and do their little telepathy thing there. Or maybe they'll they'll find a Vulcan who can be the bridge or It's just interesting that that popped up recently in Discovery, and now we have someone here with all this knowledge locked away in their brain that we need to get to. And that also brings me to my last little theory, which is I think eventually, probably Zero, but maybe Gwynn, will find a way to be able to have more communication with Murph. I don't think Murph is ever going to speak like actual tongues. I think half the fun of Murph is the clicks and the and the spits and all that that noise that comes out of him. But I think there's going to be a way, because Murph obviously knows what's going on. I mean, Murph felt so guilty after the the protostar got beamed mm-hmm. out of them. But I think somehow they're going to figure out a way to to get more from Murph. Because Murph right now presents to me kind of like like an 18 month old, a two-year-old they understand so much of what's coming in, but they can't give it back out. So I think right. There's going to be a way, not for it to be conversations with Murph, but a little bit more of knowing what's going on. Because I think Murph might be the youngest one of all of them,
0: even younger Yeah, it's than
1: possible. It's possible. Yeah. Go ahead.
0: About the clicks and whistles and beeps and stuff. Every single time we watch an episode, I have to say at least once, I can't believe that somebody's getting paid to do this. <laughs> and I'm so glad that they are.
1: Well, I saw in this episode, so we mentioned the uh, foreground uh, minor aliens, the one with the two heads and the the one that he was talking to or she was talking to or whatever. Both of those aliens were voiced by D. Bradley Baker.
0: Really? Yay. Mm -hmm. That's
1: actually
2: pretty cool. That's very cool.
1: Now, I don't know if he also voiced uh the other two aliens that we heard with a speaking role um but I know at least those two that were in the foreground that was him. That's very do you, cool.
0: Do you know was it um like did they have another kid or was it possibly Riley who did the um the vacation oh, I don't yeah, yeah vacation. I don't know I had it written down.
1: oh, you know. I,
2: I do actually know you? that it was one of the oh, I'm going to get the title wrong and I apologize, but it was it was on Trek Twitter Friday night. It was one of the supervising producers, art producers, something with the word producer. It was her daughter, her cool. younger daughter. And she said and she's perfectly willing to you know do this role again if need be. And <laughs> so we might just be seeing that occasion child come back controlling that chip. Yeah, you know, other
0: other than Gwen, I think that Caution is my favorite character. (laughs) Well, I I love that they're getting actual
2: kids to do the voices because let me tell you, when my daughter realized that Rock Talk was voiced by an actual kid, it blew her mind. And Mm -hmm. so I hope they keep doing that.
1: Yeah, me too. So my one thought is pretty uh, complex. Unfortunately, so I'm kind of feeling like the first contact with uh, Solem was made by Chakotay and the proto star that they're the ones that showed up there first. um, And that, so we know that the diviner was sent back in time. So maybe potentially he was sent back in time to that first contact point told the vaunicot there take this crew into custody after he sends um dreadnought to the protostar to stop them he steals the protostar and somehow does something that triggers it wrong and it sends him further back in time and that's where gwen comes up i'm thinking that is that's got to be how the whole timey-wimey stuff gets explained here because you got 50 years in the future is when we know the Vaunaka are down to just the diviner. But we've got 18 years prior to where we're at now, or 17 years that Gwyn was born or created or whatever you want to call it. But we also know that it's not that long ago in the present time that the protostar had Chakotay as its captain because his aging in that video looks very similar to how they had Vice Admiral Janeway on the Dauntless. So you got to believe that that part is within our given time. So somehow the three time periods have to be explained and that's just my thought that that's how it happened
0: somebody um on social media said i can't get it out of my head that chakotay is the diviner and i'm just saying oh I'm yeah not, I, sh- I'm not, I showed you that i'm not proving this but i'm also not disapproving this because i did some face over work and the facial features kind of line up a lot And, you know, I I did some altering of the proportions for the diviner because it's got kind of a skinny face, and I could make it look like Chakotay pretty easily. So that's kind of weird.
1: Well, I was going to say there is no way that Janeway would have uh, pulled the plug on Chakotay like she did on the diviner, but that was hologram Janeway, not real Janeway. So.
2: Well, and I wonder, too, whether or not, Chakotay is the diviner, which I've I've read and seen some of that too, and mm-hmm. that's definitely an interesting theory that you can spin. Where's the rest of the crew? Like, yeah, and that's part of it too, because for a while it was, oh, the crew's going to be the miners on Tars mm-hmm. Lamora. Well, that didn't come to pass. So, but there is so much of this timey wimey everything and then we also know that discoveries put people in the pattern buffer are they all hanging out in a pattern buffer somewhere i mean that could be really interesting that suddenly you you pop them back down but again this show is going to focus on these kids so these yeah. kids have to be in control of this ship. So there can't be a whole bunch of like Starfleet right. officers hanging out somewhere ready to go. They either mm-hmm. have to be incapacitated or or jailed or somehow altered or sh- sent back in time or stuck somewhere because otherwise they'd just show up and take over the crew and be like, "Thanks, you guys did a great job. Now go to right. the academy." Yeah. So there's got to be some of that practicality in there too. And I always come back to the. Diviner has said, you know, and the dread he and dreadnought have talked about the order, the order. Mm -hmm. So his order, maybe his order has something to do with, hey, we're sending you back in time to fix this. Don't mess with anything else. And him making Gwyn has already done that. So he has to be careful about when he goes back. Mm. If he says, well, I followed one of your directions, but not the other one. So now we have all this. And, you know, he doesn't seem like the guy to give up if it doesn't work the first time. So why didn't he jump back in time again and try it right. over and over and over? Something like must UFL. have <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yep. Something must have happened. And I think when the ship did get sent back, it got sent back without him and without dreadnought on it because it's buried in all that Chimerium mm-hmm. in Tars Lamora. So somehow the ship went without him and maybe that's going to be something that, our crew or even real Janeway ends up having to do send the ship back without the crew to stop whatever paradox or, you know, time becomes this giant whiteboard of squiggly lines and all that. So, and you can do a lot of things and forget a lot of things and reset a lot of things with time. So there's a lot of threads here.
1: Well, and the funny part, the funny part about it all is how, uh, all throughout Voyager, Janeway used to talk about how quantum mechanics would give her a headache. Give her a headache.
0: <laughs> yeah, Wait, maybe the old crew died and they're stuck in the spore place thing. Maybe the oh, old like, crew are
1: <laughs> yeah. like, you, uh, like uh, I can, just want to say, you, Wilson Cruz, Doctor Culver. Yeah,
0: yeah, I thank you. Whenever I forgot that he died, like, I literally <laughs> forgot that he died. I don't know how maybe
2: those crystal aliens that they saw in first contact are actually what's left of the Protostar crew yay oh many years goodness. later and they are trying to find a way to communicate because they're non-corporeal now. I mean there's wow.
0: <laughs> That's awesome.
1: This my is mind is blown. Theory.
0: You know, you know, I love theories for a lot of reasons, and the only other reason is because it's it's what got me into zelda you know i was like wait this exists i can look into this more but i also love it because of how in-depth it can get and you know sometimes you have no base basis of it you can just (laughs) say this and all of a sudden it'll become this big thing sometimes
2: yeah people will help you find reasons that your theory could be correct or not correct (laughs) and that's half the fun is the theorizing
1: yeah and you know you brought up you brought up chakotay's crew like I remember when they announced back in uh, October that uh, there was going to be Jamila Jamil that was going to do a voice and Jason Alexander and David Diggs, they showed up in this episode, Uh, you know, that they are the Dauntless crew. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I, I was way off. I thought that was Chakotay's crew, but now we find out that's the Dauntless crew. Uh, So we're going to get to hear Jason Alexander again. After the hiatus, it sounds like.
0: I don't know who any of this is, except I don't know the you
1: know who You know who Jamila Jamil is. That's Tahani.
0: Oh, okay. Wait, was she in other stuff?
1: <laughs> She's Probably. been in a few other things, but yeah. that was her
0: biggest breakout role.
2: Jason Alexander was on Seinfeld, and he's been in Star Trek before.
1: Yeah, he was in Voyager.
2: Yeah. Who was he? He was um, one episode. The Think Tank guy. Think Tank. Tried to steal seven. Oh, I remember that. That used to be one of my favorite episodes. Yeah, it's a that's good actually a really good
0: one.
1: Yeah, that's, yeah, that's him.
2: David Diggs was um, in Hamilton. He was Lafayette and Jefferson, and he I was did. also the teacher in Wonder.
0: That's where I've heard of him. I knew yeah. that I'd heard that. Right. He left. He left. That's why. From the good place, I remember Janet saying there's a rumor that David Diggs is coming back.
1: Ah, <laughs> uh.
0: I remember that.
1: Well, I'm sure we could talk about uh, theories for the rest of the evening, Uh, but we'll let Abby get back to her family. So, Abby, if people would like to continue this uh, awesome theory conversation or prodigy conversation or enterprise conversation with you, where can you be found online?
2: The best place to find me personally is on Twitter. And I'm at Abby M. Summer. That's S-O-M-M-E-R. And I welcome any theories and, and prodigy ramblings. And I post a lot of stuff on there that my kids say about prodigy and their art and all that. So if you're looking for some prodigy fun, I'm over there doing that. I also co-host the First Flight podcast with my wonderful co-host, Melanie, and that's an Enterprise Rewatch podcast. We're both really huge Enterprise fans, and it should be getting some love on its 21st anniversary year here. So if you'd like to find us, you can find us on all the socials at First Flight Pod.
1: Now We love Melanie. We've had her on to discuss Enterprise in the past on uh, Legacy Trek. So say hello for us.
2: I absolutely and- will.
1: And thank you for joining us. This was a blast. Yeah, this
2: was Uh, an honor and so much fun. It was. Anytime.
1: uh, Well, we have 40 episodes confirmed of this show, so I'm sure we're going to have to have repeat uh, guests. So.
2: (laughs) And speaking of theories and 40 episodes, you know that they've already planned out like into the late 30s. So they're just sitting back somewhere. All the writers and the Hager and all them, they're mm-hmm. just laughing at us. They're like, they, yeah. they only knew. Right. But I love that. I love that they have thought that far ahead to be dropping us crumbs to find now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was so shocked when they told us that one episode takes two years. To from start to finish. Yeah. You remember that.
0: No, I don't. All
1: right. Well, we can Maybe. talk about it after.
0: <laughs> it's a labor of love, for sure. Yes. Don't forget that you can support Discovering Trek and the Trek Geeks Podcast Network by subscribing to bonus content on Patreon. You get access to unedited audio of all of our podcasts and a lot of other perks. If you'd like to support this and the other member podcasts of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network, Beam on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks for a subscription start as low as $2 a month.
1: And for more great Star Trek discussion, check out the aforementioned member podcasts on the network. In addition to discovering Trek, there's Trek Geeks, Rewind, Politrek's five-year mission, Deep Space Pride, Drawn to Trek, Infinite Trek, The Divine Treasury, The Sci-Fi Sisters, Science Station 2, and With the First Link. You can find all these shows and where to listen on trekgeeks.com slash listen, or by downloading the Trek Geeks mobile app.
0: Trek Geeks Podcast Network. No one talks Trek like we do.
1: The first half of this season has been an emotional roller coaster and has certainly proved to us that Star Trek is in its golden age right now. A show that was created for kids has captured the hearts and attention of adults as well. And now in best of both worlds style, we have to wait a while to see how this season continues, but rest assured once it is back, we also will be back to discuss those episodes. Also keep an eye on discovering Trek for intermittent shows throughout the hiatus and to quote hologram Janeway We have only just begun. Until then, never stop discovering. Music for Discovering Trek is provided by Five Year Mission.
2: They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at fiveyearmission.net. Discovering Trek is a production of Coconut Media Works, executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson.